Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Ladies and gentlemen of Chiefs Kingdom, it is time to talk draft. We at Arrowhead Pride are welcoming you to the 2022 NFL draft season. And to officially turn the page, we have started the AP Draft Room podcast. My name is Ron Cobb Jr. I'm the lead analyst at ArrowheadPride.com. And the regular co-hosts with me for this weekly show will be familiar faces to you who followed the AP YouTube channel this season. That's going to be Talon Graff and Brian Stewart. They'll be breaking down the draft with me on this show. Talon, I know you're pumped. You were somehow watching college tape the night of the AAC championship game loss. Uh, introduce yourself to the people, Talon. Thank you, sir. Yes, uh, I am Talon Graff. I'm just kind of wrapping up my first full season with the with Arrowhead Pride. Um, absolutely loved it. Um, the season itself didn't end, you know, the way that any of the fans wanted it to, but especially now that I'm covering them full, you know, full more than I ever have before. Uh, you know, I obviously wanted this season to end on a, on the highest note possible, but uh, in hindsight, man, and, and, and silver lining, all things considered, this was a dream season uh, for me, just in, in regards to my first one with Arrowhead pride. And I'll, I'll, I'll always remember it. <clears throat> Same here um, to, to the listeners. My name is Brian Stewart. It was my first year covering with, with AP as well. Um, and even though last week was really frustrating, disappointing, you name it, we, we've been over it and, and it's been covered on Airhead Pride. Um, we've kind of flipped the switch and, and we've been talking amongst ourselves. We flipped the switch to the offseason focus because um, it's kind of that mindset that the guys with the team have right now. You know, they, they can't really get hung up on what's already took place, good, bad or in between. Um, they still have a lot of good pieces in place. And so, uh, this is kind of the funnest time of year for guys like us. Uh, you know, we enjoy watching the games, no question, especially when they're really, really good, like they have been the last few years. But the reason that we are working for Arrowhead Pride, I think I speak for all three of us, is because of the types of conversations we're going to be able to have on this show. Um, you know, detailing what players can and can't do and, how that's going to either help or, you know, would not help the Chiefs in particular. So uh, it, it'll be fun, and, and we thank you for joining us on the ride. Yeah, no, great great recap of the season, guys. But before we get into that stuff, you know, let's just get in. You know, I just want to make sure that people know who they're talking to or who they're listening to, right? Uh, you know, hey, I'm, I've been co- covering the team since 2019. Pete Sweeney, the editor-in-chief of Arrowhead Pride, brought me on. I actually started, uh, you know, blogging draft prospects to really start my my kind of writing, um, you know, emphasis. Uh, you know, I remember Rocky Scene was one of my favorite corners early in the draft process that year. Uh, you know, a guy like Dawson Knox, I was touting. You know, I loved him. I wanted him over Jay Sternberger. Uh, Chiefs wanted a tight end too. Um, so 
Yeah, and it's actually a special draft for me. You know, I actually grew up with a few of the prospects that are that are hoping to get drafted. Um, tight end Garrett Prince of UAB, shout out Gary, as we like to call him. Uh, yeah, he's he went to the East West Shrine Bowl. He, he put on a show, um, and and he's he's excited, man. He's an exciting tight end prospect. Um, you know, uh, if the Chiefs didn't draft Noah Gray last year, I'd feel a little bit better. Maybe they were looking for that kind of thing, but uh, we'll see. And then shout out my guys, uh, Deron Lowe, cornerback from Liberty. Uh, CJ Perez center from temple. We all grew up together. So it's kind of a, a cool draft process for me, but I just wanted to get into our backgrounds a little more Talon, Just kind of tell the people maybe, you know, how you got into the draft, you know, and, and, and kind of your history of, of covering maybe the draft. Yeah. So I, I come from a coaching background. I could for, for a few years, um, kind of dabble in it now, but um, yeah, my interest in the draft always just started with seeing, the progress of players from level to level to level. Um, and yeah, it started with coaching, but yeah, seeing how a player can progress from, you know, a four or five star recruit, even a two, one star recruit to, to, you know, a, a trustworthy college athlete football player that's, that's on the field every Saturday to potentially an NFL prospect. And then, you know, at the end, it's a hall of fame career. Right. So I just love seeing that and, and seeing the process. And, um, and I started way back, uh, I say way back, it was probably what, six, seven years ago now in 2016 um, with a blog. It was called The Drafter. Um, and I don't think it's it's active anymore, um, but that they were my first, um, you know, opportunity, if you will. So um, they, they pulled, uh, yeah, they, they published my scattering reports and all that stuff. And then it kind of progressed from there. Um, I'm originally from Missouri, moved out here to California. Um, and uh, and just kind of led my way to to Airhead Pride, but yeah, the draft man, I just I love the process and everything about it. Right, no, as, as coaches for sure. I, and I should have mentioned, I I, co I I coached middle school football for a few years. AP is actually, you know, you know, life gets a little busy, so I didn't. Uh, I'm I'm stopping coaching after this last fall season for a little bit. I'll I'll get back into it one year. Um, but Brian, tell us a little more about your background with you know your you know just covering the draft and why you like to this time of year so much. Yeah. So other than the moving to California part, me, me and Talon, very similar, I would say. Um, I have that co uh, some coaching experience. You know, that's something I'm still involved in. Um, and also as far as like uh, the draft and NFL wise, um, I went through some of our listeners have probably heard of it, but I went through something called the Scouting Academy. Yes, And I always shout those guys out when I can, because the truth of the matter is if I hadn't done that, I don't think I'd be talking with you guys right now. It just really, um, Dan Hatman, he, he's the, uh, the founder, the, the leader of that program. He teaches his students, you know, exactly what these NFL, um, as, as someone who worked in NFL front offices and was a scout and that sort of thing, he teaches you exactly how, they are looking at these college players, how they're looking at, you know, free agents who are, who are going to be in the market. Um, it is, we could spend hours and hours, um, which you do when you go through that program talking about those sorts of things. But that's where I kind of learned a lot about, you know, my, the process I go through now and breaking down like on our film reviews that we have for, um, following up chiefs games. Um, you know, that coaching and that, and that part of it with the scouting, it works together and uh, and it definitely gives you, you know, some good perspective uh, from both both sides of it. And then I add in the, the fan mix of it because, you know, clearly we all support the Chiefs, love the Chiefs. And and it's a good time to be in that situation. So, 
Yep. Um, yeah, man. That's it's going to be a lot of fun to publicize that with such a great platform like we've got with uh, with AP. Yeah, no, I'm so pumped for this, guys. No, I, I love talking football with you guys. If you guys haven't been checking out the listeners, I should say, if you guys haven't been checking out the AP Film Room on the YouTube page, you know, us three have been breaking down film. Uh, you know, I think it was about week, you know, 10, you know, maybe week nine or 10 is when we first started, uh, you know, doing it on a weekly basis. Um, you know, you learn a ton of stuff there. I, I've learned a ton of stuff from these guys. And hopefully you guys will learn a ton of stuff from this show. And so, yeah, this show is going to be all about the NFL draft, right? Uh, mostly from a Chiefs perspective. But we'll talk general general draft as well. It won't just be us, though. Get ready for some great guests, whether they be our colleagues at AP or honestly just other members of the draft community. You know, over time, over these last few years, you meet some guys around the SB Nation. You know, I know some guys at Bill's SB Nation uh, would, would love to talk drafts. So I might have them on. But our main goal here is to identify players in this draft class that can boost the Chiefs' chances at winning another Super Bowl in the Patrick Mahomes era, plain and simple. But that's not the only part of the draft process, right? We're very early in this still. Decisions about free agents and contract figures will alter draft needs and priorities. And so that's why today we're starting the inaugural show, the inaugural AP draft room, by looking back a little bit, as painful as that sounds, right? You know, we're, we're all still recovering from that AFC championship loss. You know, it happened a week ago. It feels like it happened a month ago now, honestly. But, uh, but we have to identify what can be better about the 2021 version of the Chiefs that the team can attempt to correct before 2022. Talon, I'm going to start with you here. When you look at the 2021 Chiefs, when you look at their season as a whole, what position stands out, or maybe just position group or, or general, um, you know, group of, of, of positions? What position stands out as one that should be a focus to improve on this offseason? Well, definitely the secondary um, as a whole, but specifically, you're going to be looking at safety pretty hard. Um, Tyron Matthews still kind of hanging out there, not really sure what they're going to do with him yet. He's a tag candidate. Are they going to bring him back on a, you know, kind of short, who knows what Brett, Brett Veach and, and Tyron Matthew are going to come to a conclusion on. But um, regardless, you probably need to upgrade, upgrade that depth anyway, because Daniel Sorensen said to hit free agency or money Watts said to hit free agency. Um, you're losing a lot of bodies from that room. So safety is definitely an area of need. Uh, and, and there's, there's a bit, you know, there's a different path to get there, whether it be free agency, whether it be draft, um, do you want to invest a high pick there? Or do you want to invest, you know, uh, cap dollars there? So um, moving forward, it's definitely some something that I expect to uh, be approved upon this offseason. Yeah, I think the safety position, right, is super important, especially in Spag's system. I think one reason why, you know, the defense has been so good at times is that Tyron Matthews is an all-pro type of safety, and that's really what this defense relies on is, is really, you know, versatile playmaking in the secondary at that safety position maybe. Uh, Brian, when you look at the the secondary as a whole, maybe, you know, a guy like Traverius Ward is also a free agent at the cornerback position. You know, they'll have Legereus Need and Rashad Fenton under contract next year. But when you look at the secondary, Brian, you know, are there any are there any concerns? I mean, a Juan Thornhill, you know, we, we, we've seen some flashes, but, uh, you know, he still hasn't proven himself necessarily. Um, you know, how 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 big of this how important is the safety position, I guess, uh, you know, to this team to improve on this offseason? I'm with you. I think it's. Um... We've got three years of evidence now with Spagnolo that shows if you give him good safety play, um, this year was the worst of the three. And yeah, luckily, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, luckily, the pass, well, I don't know if I'd say the pass rush as a whole, but the pass rush at times was the best it's been um, in those three years. And I think it kind of offset a little bit the, the weaknesses that were happening on the back end. But 
when we have three years of evidence, three top 10 scoring defenses. Um, and so you're bringing back the coaching staff, basically the entire defensive coaching staff. So even though corner is a need and Traverius Ward is a, is a nice player that, you know, you, you hate to lose depending on who you're replacing him with. Um, I think you've got to kind of trust what you've seen. And, and what we've seen is that if this scheme and this staff has good safety play, they can kind of work around um, some of those cornerback deficiencies, at least enough to get into AFC championship games to get to Super Bowls. Doesn't mean that they need to not try to get better at corner. Just means we have proof in, in place that says maybe safety is uh, more important for this specific defense they're running right now. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Veach is his history of how he's attacked the cornerback position, you know, also proves that, you know, he's, he's never invested a high pick. He's never put, you know, thrown a lot of money at a cornerback. And that's why you'd probably expect Traverius Ward to be in another team's uniform next year. Um, but Hey, you never know. Um, you know, the there is a, there's a pretty good cornerback free agency class um, he, that he's going to be a part of. But Brian, you mentioned the pass rush. When I ask you the same question, I asked Talon, what specific positions stand out as needing to be improved this off season. I think with, with some of the questions around there, you know, a lot of free agents. Yeah. I think that's one, um, one of the positions, right, Brian? Definitely. I'm cheating here when, you know, we just listened to Veach, uh, Brett Veach, the GM Tuesday, I believe it was. He went on and on. And historically, he is very open, very honest in his press conferences. And when he says things like you have to listen, he he's not that guy who it's like in one ear and out the other. I mean, his he, he kind of to a fault is honest, I would say. And he was very specific about how they are after pass rushers and that defensive line is pretty much the top priority. Um and like I said, I don't think he's lying. And you just look at, okay, Frank Clark, pretty much a lock that he's gone, right? They're not bringing him back at that cap number, which is about $27 million. Um, I think they're going to go ahead and, and go in a different direction. So defensive end-wise, right now, you're bringing back Mike Dana, um, and you're bringing back Joshua Kando, who who hasn't proven anything as, as a guy who just finished his rookie year. Yeah. Um, Beyond, you know, those are the only two guys really that that they're bringing back. So there's very thin there. Defensive tackle is a little bit better. You know, you're bringing Jones back, but you're losing Jaron Reed. You are possibly losing uh, Derek Naughty, who you know he had a down year, but still has been a productive player throughout his his career so far. Um, so that being said, I think you're going to see um, them invest in in the pass rush position every meaning uh, every possible way they can you know they're not going to go into the draft without addressing it they're not going to get out of the draft without addressing it there as well um, yeah yeah no you're 100 right i think pass rush we talk about safety being important in spagnolo's system i mean pass rush is pretty dang important too um with the, with you know what he likes to do i know he likes to blitz he's a, he's a very you know important blitzer or very a significant blitzer but you know what he also likes to do is, is press and, and kind of you know hope that his pass rush can get home you know, quickly and, and, you know, and, and the corners are kind of helped by that just as much as the safeties are. But Talon, we saw Melvin Ingram, a guy they signed off the street, become their most impactful pass rusher, which, you know, is, is as exciting as it is. It's not really an, it's more of an indictment on the team's, you know, roster structure. The fact that he, he had to come in and be the team's most impactful pass rusher in the playoffs. You know, what do you think about re-signing him or just, you know, what are your thoughts on, on the pass rush this offseason and how I guess you'd like to see them attack it? 
Yeah, I mean, I think bringing Melvin Ingram back would be a wise choice. Uh, I think he's good for the locker room. He's good for on-field production. Um, he's just kind of good all the way around for, for this organization right now because uh, they've really lacked that premier edge rusher that they thought they were going to get with Frank Clark. And um, not to be too harsh on him, but, yeah, he just never really lived up to that expectation, especially when you look back and on what the Chiefs gave up for him and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, so I think bringing him back would be a good idea. And then looking at free agency, there's a couple of guys that – might you know boost that room a little bit um a guy that kind of has been hanging around the league he's still relatively young but i feel like he's been in the league forever is arden key um oh he played, he played for the niners and then he originally i think he played for the raiders but the guy's like 25 maybe 26 years old but he's got a good four or five years under him um he's had some issues off the field but in these days i feel like the chiefs really love to bring those guys in and see what they can do um, given given an, an extra chance, so that's a guy that I think might might be interesting to to bring in at least to look at. I like that name. I like that. I like that name, uh, Arden Key. You know the rate. Yeah, you said the Raiders drafted him. He, he he was that guy in college that was just exciting, flashy. Um, you know, had that natural bend. Um, I like that. Now, Brian, I, I do want to go back to a point you made about Frank Clark um, saying that he's basically gone. You know, I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure that's the case. You know, I, I could see them restructuring him and, and getting him back. Because I do think there's, you know, as I mentioned, you know, how much Spagnola values pass rush. You know, one thing about that is you look at the 2022 depth chart and if they don't and, and I think you mentioned it a little bit, but they, I mean, they just don't have anything behind Frank Clark, if that's the case. So they might I, I think Frank Clark is I mean, he has I don't think he has expressed he wants to stay here. Right. And so I do think Frank could understand that, hey, I made way more money than I probably have deserved. Um, you know, and I know that's not how they think for the most part, but if he wants to stay here. He could take a significant pay cut, still get paid quite a bit and and, and play here. So I'm not 100 percent sure he's gone, but he cannot be here at that cap number, which that's a fact. I mean, there's no way around that. Any, any rebuttal to that? No, that so that um, I think the conversation that they might be able to have if, if they cut Frank, say, in a couple of weeks, it's still going to cost them about 12 million on their cap and dead money this year. So maybe, maybe that is the conversation they, they might ask him. You know, we will keep you if you bring your salary down to where that cap number is going to be in the ballpark. I mean, maybe even a little more. Maybe they say, okay, Frank Clark at a $15 million cap hit on our roster is worth more than him being gone and it costing us $12 million. You know, there might be a conversation like that. Um, but I kind of thought that's what was going to happen last year with like the Eric Fishers and the Mitchell Schwartz and then. So I, it's so hard to, you know, predict. Veach is is pretty ruthless, and I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. Um, no, it's not a bad but, thing. Yeah. No, no, you have to be a year early on a player than a year late, and and that's what the Patriots were always like, right? You know, hey, if you know, maybe this guy can still produce for us, but you know, down the you know maybe the second year it, it drops off, and you can't just sign all everyone to a one year deal, right? You know, there's going to be guys that demand multi year deals, so. No, it's a good point. So it's interesting. I just think Frank is is an emotional leader. And I do think if Tyron and Frank leave, someone has to step up as a leader. Right. And and, and we and we actually have talked about this in the group chat in our in our Slack group chat. You know, who who could step up in, in that position to lead? And I think this might be a good, you know, good time to just talk about it real quick. You know, because you're talking about guys like Nick Bolton, Willie Gay, Jerry Sneed, Juan Thornhill. Uh, you know, we, we've seen Chris Jones 
you know, be an emotional leader on the field. I don't, I think everyone can kind of admit he's not ever going to be a true, you know, uh, a leader in the locker room in terms of like, you know, leading by example or just kind of like motivating guys. He's more just high energy, which is good to have. Um, I think, you know, maybe a, a guy that could step up and be a leader. I know he does, he, he seems pretty quiet, but I got like Nick Bolton, I think, could step into that role as a Mike linebacker. You know, if Hitchens, and, and, and that's another position we, we we won't talk about today. But, you know, if, if for, you know, if Hitchens is not on the team in 2022 for one reason or another, uh, you know, Nick Bull is stepping into that Mike linebacker role. He could be a leader. Any thoughts on on that dynamic? I mean, you know, a, a guy like LeJarrius Sneed, a guy like Willie Gay, are, they should be cornerstones to this defense. But are they leaders? Talon, I'll, I'll let you, you know, are they are they guys that can replace what, you know, Tyron Matthew and, and maybe even a Frank Clark if they do leave? You know, even to Hitchens, too. Hitchens is, it seems to be a good leader, too. Legere Sneed and Willie Gay seem to have that kind of maybe gene in their in their uh, in their body. Yeah, look, I mean, usually, typically, you do want that to be a, a middle linebacker type of guy that's always on the field, calling the shots, um, the guy with the green dot, right? So, if that's thrust upon Nick Bolton, I think that's up to him, right? I mean, I, some guys have it, some guys don't, um, and and if unless you're forced into that role, some guys just aren't going to take it over. Um, so if Tyron Matthew isn't there anymore. Uh, and that's, that's another thing Melvin Ingram could produce, but yeah, if, if that's not there, if Chris Jones can't slide into that role, Nick Bolton might have to. Um, and if he wants to thrive in this defense, that's, that's another expectation. That's another standard that he has to meet. Um, and same with Willie Gay, that might be on Willie Gay's table. It, it's, it's kind of on everybody's who's, who's going to step up. Who's going to go grab that brass ring now that, you know, if, if 32 is not there, who's going to be that 32 now? So someone has to. Real quick, Brian, before I, I want your take on it, too. You know, Willie Gay, the more I think about him a little bit, it, it, it reminds me a little bit of Travis Kelsey early in his career. You know, a very energetic guy. Willie Gay is is high energy, man. He is – when you're at training camp, he's the one – I remember he specifically him shrieking, um, almost like, you know, just, just completely shrieking when they announced 11 on 11 at, at training camp last year. Just, you know, so excited to, get you know, get real football going. That kind of guy, that kind of energy at practice. But, you know, it, it could be a little – we haven't seen it, I guess, boil over to be erratic like Kelsey's was where he was getting penalties and stuff. But I could see him, you know, Travis Kelsey turned into a veteran leader at some point where most people didn't think he could. Willie Gay right now seems like that, ener that high-energy guy, but can he turn it into true, you know, leadership, you know, in his going into his third season? Brian, you got any takes on how the defensive leadership could shift uh, this offseason? So with Hitchens, he's another one. He He's pretty much – I would say all but certain to go. They they invested the draft pick yeah. in Nick Bolton because he yep. to to fill that Mike role. Um, Hitchens is somebody who was considered a leader. The players vote him as a captain every year, but he's not really one where like when you're watching as a fan, it's not like a vocal thing. He's never the one breaking down, you know, their huddles and and what have you. So I think in that way, Bolton is going to be just fine. He's going to be able to do exactly what Hitchens did. And I think he could even take it up a notch because one, he's a better football player. And so guys are going to respect um, what he's putting out product wise on the field more yep. super instinctive. So he might be able to help guys see things in advance in a way that Hitchens uh, probably didn't as much. Um, but this brings up an interesting thing. So, Tyron, he is the vocal guy. He's the one who was breaking down all the huddles. And before him, it was Eric Berry, right? What What do you guys think? Is there something to the thought that having a guy like that, I, I don't want to say it's bad, but I think when you lose them and they get hurt, 
I think it kind of is bad because look at the Bills game. It was almost yeah. like they were it was almost like they were lost without him. I think they like were too dependable on him. And uh Tyron, that is. Yeah. And again, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Like if he's healthy, if that guy who does that job is healthy, I think it's nice to have. But as soon as you know things hit things hit and, and a guy is on the sideline, um it's interesting to see how defenses respond to it, you know, losing, losing that guy. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a fair point. You know, you rely on the leadership and when it's not there, you're, you're too dependent on it and then you can't function without it. You know, you, you can't have that. And that's why I do think, you know, having a young group of guys kind of come up together with, with you know, which is kind of what it looks like right now. Right. Sneed, Fenton, Thornhill are all kind of in that same, you know, year in their career, pretty much, you know, year separate, obviously, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, Sneed's Sneed is a little younger than the guys, but yeah. So they're all kind of coming together where if they all kind of become mutual leaders, right. Or kind of together, uh, right. It could be to where, yeah, if one of them does go out, they still have the leadership to go together rather than it just be one veteran and a bunch of young guys. Um, you know, I, I think that is true, but before we get a little too, uh, more into kind of how they handle those positions, I do want to throw out what position I think really needs to be addressed this season. And it is more of a luxury. I'll admit, you know, considering you have Tyree Kill, you have Travis Kelsey, and you have, you know, McCall Hardman, who has found his role, right? I do think McCall in that slot position where he, he, you know, he's he's primarily just jet sweeps, you know, reverses, quick bubble screens, you know, uh, shallow crossers. Like, that's great. Let, like, let's keep doing that. But you know what's going to even make those even more effective is a better, more talented X receiver, that wide receiver too. The Chiefs just didn't have that in 2021. You know, I love Byron Pringle. I've been calling for him to play more than Demarcus Robinson. Finally came through this year. It still wasn't, you know, anything special, right? He's just a solid player, and he looks a lot better with a guy like Patrick Mahomes throwing him the ball. But I would love to see the Chiefs, you know, take the initiative to, hey, let's just get better at wide receiver, you know, because you're not going to have – Tyreek Hill is a very durable player. That's not always going to be the case. And if Tyreek Hill goes out, you literally have one of the worst wide receiver cores in the entire NFL. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, as, you know, in 2021, at least, you know, hopefully that's not the case in 2022. Right. So I think wide receiver is a thing. Sammy Watkins was the postseason leader in yardage over that two year run for a reason, man. A difference maker can take advantage of those, that lesser attention the coverage has because he'll, they have Hill and Kelsey. And like I said, with Hardman, man, that that pre snap motion stuff like, you know, that stuff is great and, and it's and it's going to work, but it's even going to get enhanced by having a guy that can take advantage of, you know, the 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 one on one coverage they put on a guy because they need to turn their attention to everything else. Um, this can maybe be a good way to transition into how do we want to address all these positions, right? So maybe at wide receiver, I'll start um, where I think they need to, you know, find a guy in free agency because I do think the Chiefs have a lot of guys. Juju Smith-Schuster is someone they pursued last offseason, but he's not the only guy, man. They have they, There are a ton of free agent and wide receivers. It's a big class. You know, whether they want to spend a lot of money or not, there's still names, you know, in the middle class of the free agent, free agency. You know, obviously, if they want to go big, man, there's some big names out there. Um, and and that's true. But I also think they need to draft one uh, at some point, maybe not in the first round, but at some point they need to, you know, stock that receiver position again. Last time they drafted a receiver in the second round, it was McCole Hardman. And there were so many other options. Just like imagine if they if they would, you know, I'm not like I'm not going to bag on McCole with this, but I'm just saying their receivers. There's there's star receivers that happen in the second and third round. Chiefs need to take a swing at one of those guys. 
especially because, you know, with Mahomes, you want to continue that the young talent at the receiving position at just any pass catcher position. You want to continue to grow with him, get them developing now. Um, Brian, I'll go to you first on the receiver position. You got any takes on on how they should handle receiver? Um, do you like maybe going the big name free agency route or do you think they should just let's just get younger, maybe even draft two receivers? What do you think about the receiver position? Bunch of takes, bunch of takes. So uh, good to your point, to your point, though, um, it's kind of a good year for a receiver and that pass rusher uh, position where like Veach can take a step back and he he has a good set of expensive free agents. If he wants to go for the big fish, he's got some good uh, mid tier guys at both of those positions, um, maybe like one year deal types. And then the draft, the first round, um, is pretty deep with wide receiver and edge rushers. So, like, and here's the big the big elephant in the room is what do they want to do with Tyreek Hill? Uh, one of our uh, contributors at AP, Jared Sapp, he just wrote an article about how it makes a lot of sense. If they want to do a contract extension, makes a ton of sense to get it done in the next couple of weeks because of the way they'd be able to spread out some of his bonus money um, that's due this year. Um, and so is, is he in the long-term plans? I assume he is. I think he deserves to be. Um, if he's in the long-term plans, then I personally don't know how I feel about like spending a bunch of money on a receiver who's going to be the number three option, but I'm all for, I am all for signing one like a Juju Smith Schuster and then drafting one. I mean, in the first two days or, um, you know, I'm, I'm with you in the fact that they need to add multiple and they need yeah. to add multiple that are like starter quality um, options because yeah, you need to protect yourself short term against injury long-term against age with, with yeah. Tyreek. So, and yeah. Kelsey, I mean, honestly, yeah, yep. no, he's a tight end, but it, it's, that's why, you know, it, it sounds like a luxury sometimes because the, the, like you just mentioned, it will be a third option, right? It's not wide receiver two. It's not the second option. It is a third option. But, you know, those guys are getting older, and, and they've been they've been an incredibly dur- durable duo. You don't see a duo like this all the time, right, where e- both of them are healthy together all the time. You know, hey, I'm knocking on wood right now. Don't worry. But I'm just saying it, it is you got to worry about it as, as, a, as a, if you're in Brett Veach's position. Talon, you know, we'll, we'll talk just maybe we'll open it up to all the positions we've talked about lately or, you know, in this in this segment so far. When you're talking about maybe you talked about the DBs at the beginning, but even pass rusher, too. Are there any takes on those positions? Where do we want to go? In, if we want to go free agency route more like, hey, let's get a veteran in free agency or let's let's spend some money in free agency to get that. Or should or should we focus more on drafting guys like in the secondary? You know, hey, maybe we just want to stockpile with young guys. Or is there, you know, a, a veteran safety out there? Not any specific names, maybe, but just how you think they should attack maybe some of these positions we've been talking about. Yeah, man. I, for edge rusher, I do think there are some some guys in free that you could bring in and, and help, um, and, and it won't cost a ton. But yeah, in the draft, you, you have to find a guy in the draft that's going to be that that you that's homegrown, um, and that goes for edge, that goes for wide receiver, man. Like. The draft is so important because really when you think about it, this offense could have DK Metcalf and Jonathan Taylor. And and I mean that's like a that, that's an offense you build on Madden. So but that that's a realistic possibility that the Chiefs could have had. But unfortunately, that that's not the way it went. So you have to hit on picks because down the road, 
that's what keeps your windows open, right? Like that's what the yeah. argument is there for because the Chiefs window is closing now because Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey are going to start aging out and how good will Patrick Mahomes be without him and there's nobody behind him. Well, if you don't swing and miss on DK and, and Jonathan, you're not in that boat because then I, I'm not going to, I'm going off on a tangent, but anyway. Um, <laughs> no, you're, you're right though. You're right because <laughs> they need to take those swings and they did take those swings. They missed. I mean, kind of, right? I mean, I don't want to say they they completely whiffed. I mean, Hardman and CEH could like just not be in the league. I mean, there there have been busts that bad, right? Sure. They they do have a quality role on the team right now, but you take those swings. They're not first round hits or not second round hits. Con- considering what you can hit on on in those positions at receiver, and 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 you started off talking about pass rush, and that's where I do want to say that you know even if you relieve wide receiver or maybe even safety is more important to add to in the draft with a high pick edge is maybe the position that you really need to spend a higher pick on over the other positions. Right. We talk about, you know, the DK Metcalf in a second round type of thing. You can find receivers, really good receivers in the second and third round day, two picks, even maybe even later. Sometimes you are, are hard. You know, it, it's very hard to find really good pass rushers past that first round. We saw last year, the bills and Ravens t- took those swings at the end of the first round with Gregory Russo and Odafe Owe. And they both kind of look like they hit, right? And so that's why I think edge is probably the position where maybe they need to consider it most in the first round because just because the positional value of it, right? You can get maybe even like corners and safeties. They've, they've hit on corners, you know, later in the draft, right? Legarius Sneed was a fourth round pick. Um, Rashad Fenton was a sixth round pick. Those are hits. Um, you know, they have to be, right? So, yeah, I, I, I just wanted to make sure we, yeah, we, and, and I want your guys' takes on this. Is, is, am I right on that? That edge is kind of the first, you know, maybe the more prioritized pick because of that. Or where do you see maybe the positional value stack up? Brian, I'll let you, you know, hit on where you think the position value is in the first round or maybe even just like the first and second round. In, in theory, you're right. Um, like it's always going to be like edge above wide receiver. And, you know, we do. Even though they're older, you have confidence that Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey are still going to be productive players for the next at least couple of years. Um, but of course, all that's going to change, like based on how they rank these players. You know, if, if, if they sit at 30, which is where they're slotted to draft, and there's a wide receiver available who was number 15 on their board, and then the next edge is, I don't know, 40. Um, that's one of them situations where I'm going to say, well, you probably, probably go ahead and take the wide out, you know, kind of let that, that board do the work. I mean, you put it, you put it together for a reason. So, yep. um, but in a perfect world, yeah. And I, and I think no matter what happens between now and April, um, when that draft night comes, we're going to be saying, Hey, l- let's hopefully get a pass rusher. Right. Cause you can't have enough of them. You really, yes. seems like every year, the team that wins the Super Bowl is, seven, eight deep along the defensive line, six at least. Um, That's not a coincidence at this point, right? Like that's just football. You know, it's one along the lines and with quarterback play. Yeah, and as you mentioned before, uh, you know, the fact that they're losing a lot of defensive linemen, right? It's it's not, you know, it's not like they're adding to what they're uh, a formulated group already. They kind of have to restructure it on the go here, depending on what they do. So real quick before we get into a break uh, for our sponsors, I just wanted to rank the positions we just talked about in terms of what you think is the most important for this team to be good at, right? So I'm not talking about in the draft. I'm not talking about in free agency. I'm talking overall, when you're thinking about this team, which positions do you rank 
uh, more prioritized, just be better at for this specific team. I'll go first. I'm going to go ahead and say wide receivers. Having a better wide receiver, too, is the most important thing because this is an offensive team. This is an offensive juggernaut. You know, be that offensive juggernaut. And you kind of need that wide receiver, too, to really take it to another level. You know, other NFL teams, you see like the Rams, right? They didn't need Odell Beckham, but they took that swing anyway. Worked out, obviously, because Robert Woods got hurt. So, so obviously, that it, it looks like a very smart move now. But I think wide receiver, two. I'll go ahead and say edge is second. Interior defensive lineman, three. Then I'll go safety and cornerback. I think I think I want defensive line. I, I'm just, you know, in the trenches kind of guy. Edge and interior defensive lineman, a little more important than secondary, even though Spags may disagree, right? I think Spags may say safety is more important. Um, a, a probably, a, you know, a really good safety at least. And then I do want to shout out, I do think offensive tackle could be a sneaky need this offseason. Uh, we don't know about Orlando Brown Jr. yet, although it does sound like he'll get re-signed. But we also don't know about Lucas Niang, right? And Andrew Wiley's an unrestricted free agent too, but that's not a long-term tackle. You need a better guy. Niang looks like the guy, but he just tore his patella tendon pretty late in the season. So, you know, you might need to think about getting a starting caliber right tackle um, before it's 2022 starts. But I'll, I'll say it again. Wide receiver two, edge, interior defensive line, safety cornerback, and then sneaky offensive tackle. Um, real quick, uh, let's let's try to I, – I rambled on that a little bit, but maybe shortly just uh, your pos- position rankings. I will go Talon first. So I'm going to rank edge one. Um, I'll put wide receiver two as two. And then uh, safety. And then I think really interior defensive line, I agree, is going to be an area need. But And then right after that, you're going to need to look at linebackers. I think that's when, the way you look at offensive tackle being a sneaky need. Linebacker might be a sneaky need. I know we, I know they have Willie Gay and Nick Bolton, but Anthony Hitchens might be a cap casualty. And, uh, and, and you know, you need that third guy. You need depth. You don't, you know, you don't want to be stuck in situations that, that, the Chiefs have been in this year. So, um, yeah, that's how I'd rank mine. Good call on the linebacker because we do know Spags likes to have a specific linebacker for Dime, too. It's driven us crazy with Ben Neiman. We don't know for sure if that'll just be Willie Gay moving forward or Nick Bolton. It might be a completely different player that he handpicks either in the draft or in free agency. Uh, good call on that. Brian, real quick, what do you, how do you rank these out? Might be Ben Neiman again. <laughs> Careful what we uh, <laughs> oh, wish. Gosh. No, oh, uh, gosh. Super Bowl legend. Um, anyways, I, I, if I'm looking at the, the way they played this past year, not factoring in like who's a free agent really and all that sort of thing, I think they need to get better at wide receiver two primarily um, and edge. Uh, Melvin Melvin Ingram took it up a bunch, right? But but they, they need to get better there. And then a sneaky one, not saying they need to invest a bunch of money or a premium pick, running back. Um, which we saw it in the playoffs. The playoffs, well, they got better play, and I think it the offense looked a lot better, right? So um, they need to make sure that they lock down that position three deep so they can make it through the season. Yeah, no, Clyde's the only one on the roster as of right now for 2022. Daryl and Jarek McKinnon have both hit free agency. Derek Gore is probably going to retain on a, you know, one of those, uh, you know, for under, undrafted free agent kind of deals, the uh, restricted de- free agent deals, but – yeah, so good call on that. Right now, we're going to take a break. And we'll, on the other side, we're going to get into a little more specific draft takes on uh, some players. So stick with us. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. 
That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, welcome back in the AP Draft Room. We're back, inaugural episode. We're having a little fun here talking offseason. You know, forgetting that that championship loss happened a week ago. We're talking draft. We're looking forward. We've been talking about the future. And now we're going to get a little specific on a few young guys, a few college draft prospects. Who knows? That could be the next Kansas City Chief. That could be the next guy we're cheering for at Arrowhead, you know, for with a big play. And defensively, we're going to start off on that side of the ball. Guys, I'm asking you, are there any specific players that have caught your eye so far? Maybe guys that maybe fit that first or second round pick, you know, not later guys right now. We'll get into that as we go through the draft process. But Talon, I'm going to ask you that question first and just kind of tell us your player and how they fit into what the Chiefs want to do uh, on defense for this one. Yeah, so I'm, I've am i been kind of talking about safety a lot, and I'm going to stay in that trend here. Um, and, and when I think about where the Chiefs might go in the draft, really has a lot to do with where they go in free agency first and and where are they going to spend money. And obviously, Brett Veach is, is interested in boosting those trenches. So if he's going to spend money, it's going to be in the trenches. So that kind of leads me to think we're not going to see any splash free agent signings for safety. Um, so maybe if there's one sitting there at round one, say a Daxton Hill from Michigan, who I'm I'm really starting to be a big fan of. Um, if he's sitting there where the Chiefs are in round one, I could see I could see Veach pulling the trigger and bringing him in. Um, he's the type of guy that, you know, I know Tyron Matthew is this all pro level safety that you're not going to re- really find anybody to replace on day one or maybe not even day 365, but um, you need to find a guy that can come in and take over a similar role that Matthew might leave. And Daxon Hill is that kind of guy. And and he's a, for a safety, he, he's kind of a true um, defensive back. He can kind of play everywhere, but he played safety for Michigan. Um, he's a fast guy. I expect him to run a, a really good time at the combine. He's a, He's got really good fa- uh, straight line speed. He can close on plays um, remarkably quickly. And then uh, his versatility is great. He can play over the top. He's a center fielder type of guy. Um, He has really smooth hips, so he can rotate really easily in and out of breaks. Um, But he also covers the slot a lot, which we saw Matthew do. Um, And, and, you know, Matthew's over the top, and and he kind of plays in the slot in the box as well. And, and dude, for a a smaller guy, he's not huge. Um, He's probably around 200, 205, about six foot, six one. Um, but man, he's a physical guy. He loves to get in there and, and take down the running back. He, he, he's not afraid um, of getting dirty in the running game. And, and, and when it comes to guys blocking him, he likes to, he likes to get physical with them. He likes to uh, get physical with guys he's in coverage with. So um, he's just an overall physical guy. And his brother, uh, Justice Hill, is the running back for the Ravens, who was drafted about, oh. what, a year or two ago. Um, yeah. So he's, he's got NFL lineage. So he comes from an NFL pedigree. He's just an all-around football player, high IQ guy. Um, he's the one that's kind of organizing the defense um, for the Wolverines. That 
very much so that, that Matthew did for the Chiefs. So if the Chiefs go that route, I would be very inter- interested for them to, to go the route of Daxon Hill. I love it. No, yeah, I, you know, you, you're the one who brought his attention up or brought his name up when we started prepping for this and watching him since. Yeah, I, I see why you brought him up. Yeah, he's an exciting player for sure. Part of the reason Michigan got all the way, you know, to the national championship or, you know, the, the uh, college football playoff this year. Uh, Brian, you got another position on the defense uh, uh, and a guy you want to highlight, but maybe a few names um, at that position. Uh, who, who did you look at for this? So I'm going defensive line, um, edge specifically, and to build on what Talon was talking about with, you know, we expect Veach to uh, pour money into that position in free agency. I think he's spot on because um, I am viewing this D-line this offseason as like a light version of what they did to the offensive line last year. And if you think back, Veach, he's not going to paint himself into a corner when it comes to the draft, he's not going to enter the draft with a gaping hole. Um, and on the O-line, you know, traded for Orlando Brown, made sure he didn't have to reach for a tackle. Signed Austin Blythe at center, made sure he had a guy who who was had starting experience. Wanted Creed Humphrey, but, you know, you, you don't know if a guy's going to make it to you. So you've got to protect yourself. I think he's going to do the same thing at this D-line position. He's going to sign some players who are starter quality, even if not like superstars. And then we're going to get to the draft and some names to watch um, are going to be the first one's less likely Trevon Walker out of Georgia. Um, He is man. So if if you get a chance to look him up, those listening, um, this is a player who can line up and did line up anywhere along the defensive line Um, edge straight across from the center, you know, three technique, over guards he can line up anywhere and then he can make these freaky plays where he pops into coverage um there was one play he made in a, in a game this past year he drops into coverage and fully extends and bats a pass ends up deflecting it to a teammate for an interception like look, he looked like a linebacker but he also can rush the passer um never really has focused on one specific position i think if you just said hey you're going to mostly be an edge rusher he's going to develop into a really, really uh, phenomenal pass rusher, but probably not going to make it to Kansas City at 30. So the guy I am going to focus more on is uh, is Jermaine Johnson um, yep. out of Florida, Florida State. And he is one – we didn't really start digging into the draft that much until this week after the yeah. Chiefs lost. He's somebody who I had already looked at a little bit uh, before, and what I really love about him is – he can handle a three down role. He's not just a pass rusher. He's not just a run defender. He's going to be able to do it all. Um, so you can count on him to be on the field uh, in a full-time role, six foot five, uh, 260 pounds. Um, really just his build is phenomenal. I mean, he's just muscle, muscle on top of muscle. Um, and what he did this week is he went down to the senior bowl and tore it up so much in practice this week that his agent was like, yeah, you're, you're not playing in the game because he had nothing to yeah. gain. You know, he de- if that happens, that just means that he's proven all he needed to prove. And um, and so this was a player who I hoped a, a month ago, I hoped we could maybe look at him in the second round. That's over. It, we'll be yeah. lucky. We'll be lucky if he makes it to 30 because I think what he's going to do now is he's going to go to the combine and put up some just outrageous – 
athletic testing. Um, and what we're probably going to have is a, a top 20 pick because he's going to be able to get to the quarterback so fast and uh, feroc- ferociously. Yeah, no, he tore up the senior bowl, man. Uh, that was he, He's fun to watch. Uh, and, and it's funny you mentioned Trace, Trayvon Walker because those two actually shared the defensive line at Georgia, you know, obviously before 2021. That Georgia defensive line is ridiculous. You know, we can shout out Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis as the interior defensive lineman as well. They also have guys that aren't even draft eligible that'll be, you know, top of the class next year. So, yeah, Georgia won the national championship for a reason. Trenches matter, right? You know, that's that's how you win a natty. Um, I'm going to go ahead, though, and pivot to the other side of the ball. And I do think we kind of talked about it already. I do think wide receiver might be a position um, that they want to wait you know, past the first round because I think some of the defensive guys we've just talked about would be more appetizing. And this receiver class, it does seem like, we're going to miss out, you know, being number 30. We're going to miss out on the top tier. And we're going to, you know, we're not going to be able to get those first round guys unless you trade up. Uh, you know, one guy I really wanted to talk about was Garrett Wilson from, uh, you know, Ohio State. Uh, you know, people talk about Chris Olave, you know, those two as a duo. I think Garrett Wilson's, uh, you know, definitely the the guy I'm more excited about as a, as a draft prospect. Dude just moves different um, for his, you know, he's he's about six foot 200. Um, but man, just, just is, is smooth with his routes, just really quick, you know, really explosive out of his breaks. Um, just so fluid, man. I mean, he'll catch a pass, you know, he run, he'll run a slam, he'll catch a pass way behind him, you know, snag it with his hands and keep going upfield. Like it was, you know, right in his chest. Right. Um, he's just a, a crazy moving athlete. I don't, I don't know if he's going to test that well. That's the thing. He's just one of those guys that, that, you know, moves different on a football field. That's why I was hoping he maybe he'd slip all the way to 30, but doesn't sound like it. He might be the first receiver taken. So a dude I am going to focus on, though, that, that might slip because of maybe how he was used in college um, is Traylon Burks. And, and, and it's not because he was, wasn't used. It, he was overused, right? He was Traylon Burks, the Arkansas receiver. He's a big dude. He's like 6'3", 220-something. Um, but he was used like – and I've heard someone actually made this comparison. I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been the ringer. Um, but he's kind of like – he kind of was used like Debo Samuel, um, kind of like just – just a supercharged Debo Samuel in terms of how his size, because Debo is he's rocked up, but he's not 6'3", 230. And Traylon Burks is, but he was he he was moving like uh, like Debo Samuel. He has that shiftiness. He was actually he was primarily a slot receiver. He played sixty plus percent of his snaps in the slot in twenty twenty one, according to PFF. And he was used in, in a lot of quick screens, a lot of bubble screens, a lot of jet motions, a lot of you know split zone PA. He's the flat route coming out of the backfield. He was used all over the place, even just in, in lining up in traditional backfield formations and shotgun. He's a guy that the Chiefs could definitely use and have fun with in, in those kind of settings. I think they have that kind of guy, McColl, though. So I think it would this would be kind of more of a pick to develop Burks at his size into more of an X receiver. Still have that ability, right? Where that's that's valuable in in, in the Chiefs' offense to be able to just you know take a quick pass and, and get upfield, right? Or or just you know break off a route real quick and and win you know, quickly. That's what, you know, and we've, and we've seen like a Sammy Watkins do that. He's not as, you know, uh, polished, I guess, as a true outside receiver, as a true, you know, wide receiver to a, a, you know, a starting outside perimeter receiver and X receiver. But I do think maybe that's a, it's a development thing. And in the meantime, you can use him in a lot of other different ways. Uh, he's used to that in the sec at Arkansas. He was, he was, he was really, it was really using a fun way. You watch that Alabama game. He was all over the formations um, and so he's got, he's going to be a fun player to watch. Um, he might not last that long. Cause if he does test off the charts at his size in the combine, he's definitely going to be moved up. So, but wide receiver is definitely going to be a position that if there is going to be one of those top tier guys that falls, maybe a Jamison Williams, I do think from Alabama, 
he would probably go the highest out of everybody if he didn't get hurt, uh, you know, obviously in the national championship game. Um, but I I do think I prefer a guy like Garrett Wilson over, um, uh, you know, Jamison Williams, honestly, at this point. Garrett Wilson's probably my dream. Um, we talked about three guys. Are there any other, uh, you know, receivers, I guess, now that we're on the receiver uh, uh, train that you guys saw? I know, you know, Drake London from USC is a fun player, but I think he's going to go very high. Um, while we wrap this up, guys, are there any other uh, takes on prospects you want to shout out? Yeah, man. If you know, depending on what order they go position wise, there are some. There are a few guys deeper, like two round two or three guys. Like Jalen Tolbert is a receiver from South Alabama that is a bigger type of guy, like you were saying, like Traylon Burks. Um, but then other guys like John Dobson from Penn State um, might be there. Um, yeah, wide receiver is pretty deep. Um, and I think there's going to be quite a few going round one. So I, I don't know. There might be some tumble. And, and the same with Edge. And just kind of to, to wrap up my thoughts here with uh, what Brian was saying about uh, Jermaine Johnson. Um, yeah, this this Edge class is so loaded as well. Like you, you throw in a Jabo, you throw in, a, I can't pronounce his name, but the Penn State Edge. Um, and then uh, yeah. there, there's a lot of guys that, depending on who teams value more, could push other guys down. And Jermaine Johnson is one of those guys that, Given, you know, what other guys have put on film and Jermaine Johnson just testing well, he might be pushed down to where the Chiefs could, could snatch him. And that's that'd be a first round steal, in my opinion. But but yeah, I mean, that, that's, it's, it's going to be fun to see how this process works out. Brian, any guys uh, outside of who you, t- you know talk about Jermaine Johnson, Trayvon Walker, any other guys you want to kind of hit on real quick? I had Dotson on my mind, too, out of Penn State. Uh, he's another one super smooth. Um can just do a lot of different things. I don't know that he's going to run like he's not a four, three burner, but yeah. he's plenty of speed. And he's the type of player where I think he's going to fall in that late twenties, thirties range. And um, for me, like, like if a team like the bills snags him, like that's going to hurt a little bit, you know, I think he's going to yeah. be a player. Um, and, you know, going back to Burks, who you, who you detailed run, I, I kind of think, in some ways, he's a chance to make up for the whole DK Metcalf thing. He, he reminds me of him a little bit. I know that's easy to say. I mean, the frame and just he's a, he's going to run a really good 40 like DK. But, like, you watch his his tape and the way that he make, makes plays on the ball downfield, not just running away from DBs, but going up, high point in the football, contested catch situations. If that's a the kind of receiver that they want, I do think he might – very likely make it to them um, or at least within range of, you know, uh, a little trade up. I don't think they're going to trade up far, but if they're in love with a player, then I think they'd go up, you know, five, six spots to get that done. So uh, yeah, there are some good options at the biggest positions of need that fall into that window, that pocket of the draft. Yeah. Jahan Dotson from Penn state. um, He was one of the most, thrown at receivers in, the, in college football last year. I think he had the six most targets in FBS. Um, and, and you're right. He is very smooth. He's more of a slot guy um, or, or a Z type of receiver, you know, really, you know, really smooth routes, really, you know, decisive breaks, you know, able to break somebody off. The only thing I will say is, you know, he, he is a pretty small guy in terms of just like, you know, doesn't have a lot of strength, um, can definitely get disrupted at the line and press. That's why he's more of a Z type. Um, but I, I, I do think a guy, a guy like him in the Chiefs offense, um, he could be that kind of guy over the middle where, yeah, he, he's just finding space, you know, kind of, you know, creating separation himself and, and finding, you know, being a possession receiver more 
um, and kind of, you know, moving the chains a lot for, and while, you know, like a Tyreek takes a t the, you know, Tyreek and Hardman take the top off. So I like that. I like that uh, thought of Jahan Dotson. Maybe I'm going to wrap this up. We are going to talk general draft stuff too. Um, I'm just curious your guys' thoughts, maybe on the quarterback class. It's not really the most exciting quarterback class. Uh, obviously we don't care about the quarterback. We got our guy. Um, Chad Henney is a free agent. Hopefully he resigns as a backup. Uh, you know, maybe there's a developmental guy they draft later or pick up an undrafted free agency, but the top of the class, you know, we, we have some teams up there that yeah, need quarterbacks that could affect, you know, the chiefs, you know, the Broncos pick at nine, uh, if they don't get Aaron Rodgers, which we're, we're obviously hoping they do not, uh, you know, maybe they take a swing at one of these guys, but you know, we look at the senior bowl, most of the quarterbacks were there except for old Mrs. Matt Corral. Um, he seems to be one of the top quarterback prospects. I haven't seen much of him yet, to be honest with you. I don't call it. I I didn't watch college football, you know, live this year, really. So I don't don't really have a good feel for him. But you know, a guy like Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati is at the Senior Bowl. Malik Willis, you know, he he turned heads at the Senior Bowl. Someone was comparing him to Josh Allen a little bit, the quarterback from Liberty. You know, a uh, uh, Pitt, Kenny Pickett, the the gloved quarterback. He had the double jointed thumbs. Um, any any takes? Well, maybe we talk about Malik Willis. He seems to be the guy that maybe has the highest upside of all the guys, even though. You also heard that he missed a lot of throws and, and he was very inconsistent. Um, Talon, you got any takes on, you know, if this quarterback class could be anything or is this going to just be one of those years that we all kind of just forget about eventually? Yeah, that's a great question, man. And, and I do, I've seen a little bit of film on each of them, but Malik Willis is the most intriguing to me. I do like, because some of the throws he makes are NFL throws, but yeah. 100%. It's not a. It's not necessarily against NFL level talent, um, so it, it's you know it's one of those. It's like okay, he's done it. He's done it on film, but I don't know, man. Let's let's see if he can do it against guys that are a little bit faster, a little bit bigger, a little bit quicker. Um, so I'm really intrigued by him. I like Kenny Pickett. Um, I think for him, you're getting a guy that will make a good decision, but he might not always be making the best decision. Um, so, you know, he's safe with the ball. He's, he's going to hit an open guy, but there might be a guy running on an open post and he's hitting an open out. Uh, so it's one of those things. And then, but when, it, in terms of the other guys, um, I, I don't know much about Desmond Ritter. He's just experienced. Um, and then, um, yeah, the other, who's the other one? Um, yeah. Uh, I don't even I, know. Yeah. Right. No. And it's that kind of class, right? I really yeah, do. Carson strong, right? Really Nevada. Yeah, Nevada, he's he's another one. Matt Corral, the old Miss quarterback. Matt Corral, yeah, the Heisman Memphis. guy or almost Heisman guy. I don't know. Yeah, which he played in Lane Kiffin's offense. We know it's going to be wide open. We know it's going to be quarterback friendly, be able to put up numbers. So that's going to be kind of skeptical on how he does. You know, I, before I throw it to you, Brian, on your takes, I do think Desmond Ritter is maybe a guy that gets a little underrated. He played in a in, in an NFL-style offense at Cincinnati. Luke Fickle is a great offensive mind, and he's, he's going to put him – in a position in terms of, you know, what he's learned at the college level is probably going to translate pretty well. And he might be a guy that could step in a, and with a really good team around him and, and be, you know, be able to manage it enough. Right. I, I think Ritter probably has the best chance at doing that out of all the guys. Um, so I want to put that out there, but Brian, you got any takes on, you know, what, what we see at the top end of this quarterback class. So I'm with you guys, as far as I've watched a little bit of the top group. Um, you know, it's just a luxury of, of having like Mahomes is one of those luxuries is we don't spend a lot of time detailing these quarterbacks uh, in depth. But um, I would say if I'm a final decision maker for one of these teams who are, who are going to try to draft one, you know, I, I'm going to swing big. That's kind of my philosophy on the quarterback thing. Why take a guy who 
is, you know, at best going to be like the 12th, 15th, 10th best quarterback in the league. Swing big. Try to find that that quarterback who is going to keep your window open for a really long period of time. And right now, to me, it looks like Malik Willis is the one with the highest ceiling. His combination, well, for one, he's got the strongest arm, and he is by far the most elusive um, in terms of his ability to run with the football. So he's one who, don't get me wrong, I could see him flopping hard if he goes to the wrong place. But if he goes to the right place and is coached and groomed and and really uh, eased into maybe, – maybe he sits the first year. I, but I think his upside is is great. He, he's somebody who could who could uh, be a, a team's quarterback for 15 years if it goes according to plan. Yeah, he's not – he's definitely not – you know, a, a copy of Lamar Jackson, right? They're very different players. Um, but you could kind of say maybe in the in the sense that, you know, Lamar Jackson did go to the perfect place. I don't think any team would have utilized him as well as the Raider or the Ravens and Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator there, did. Obviously, he had experience with Colin Kaepernick before, some of that read read option stuff. That offense was just perfect for Lamar Jackson. They obviously fitted around him. Malik Willis will probably need a similar type of just where they, they take advantage of his skill set a little more, where it's a lot of, you know, run game, heavy play action. You know, you're taking shots down the field off of play action because he does have that kind of arm where he can hit those 60-yard bombs. Um, and, and so it is interesting. You know, uh, out of the Senior Bowl, apparently the Steelers are are, are uh, one team that's kind of really looked at him hard. Mike Tomlin's made it obvious that they're curious about him. That might not be the greatest fit because I do think they need a, a quarterback that can overcome an offensive line, kind of be ready to go, um, not maybe – you know, that, t- that team, I don't think, can develop a quarterback um, in terms of, of kind of on the fly unless they improve their offensive line, which they might. They need they a might. bridge. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. Yeah, if, if they do draft him, they'd have to probably get a veteran quarterback to bridge that gap. So, yeah, but that's this is where we're going to wrap up today, our inaugural episode. It's been really fun. I've had a lot of fun talking draft. It's only going to get more fun. Hope you had fun, too. You know, rate five stars on the AP Podcast Network, you know, whether, wherever you listen, uh, at whether it be Apple Music, whether it be Spotify. Um, I I've, I've enjoyed this guys. We're going to keep doing it, you know, uh, look out for, for articles coming out. We're going to, you know, maybe break down, you know, even more in depth than we just did today and, and word form, maybe have some, some film clips for you on Twitter, but, uh, yeah, to wrap this up, uh, you know, I'm Ron, I got talent with me at coach graph 34 on Twitter. And then Brian is at Brian Stewart, uh, underscore on Twitter, you know, listen, or make sure you keep listening, follow us on Twitter. We're going to be posting stuff. We're going to be following the draft pretty hard this year. And we're going to get you ready, man. Uh, combine is in about a month, right? we got about a month or so until the Combine. Um, it's an exciting time. Make sure you're, you're asking, you know, ask us questions on Twitter if you want. Um, we may even start asking for mailbag questions. Uh, it could be fun. You guys have a lot of draft takes out there. I know you do. Chiefs Kingdom loves the draft, even if, you know, we're not picking very high. So that that is evident. But for Ron, for Talon, for Brian, appreciate you guys listening. Uh, We will be back next week and continue uh, listening to the other podcasts we got on the podcast network. Appreciate you guys.